The more recent trend for companies is is sort of getting away a little bit from stock options, although stock options are still widely used. Let's say if options are available on the stock, this gives the investor another vehicle for me to obtain exposure in the company. Welcome to the Exchange Feed podcast series. This is your host, Arnie Goldstein, Head of Company Services based out of Vancouver. Joining me today are Richard Ho from the Montreal Exchange and David Babstock from the RTSX Listings Group. Dave, Richard, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you, Arnie. Thanks, Arnie. So not everybody understands the benefits and use of options. This podcast will provide a basic understanding of how and when issuers become eligible and ways people and companies can utilize options to minimize risks, as well as the differences between the different types of options. It's a little confusing, but um, how are employee stock options different from the options listed by the Montreal Exchange. And let's just move over to Dave here and say, let's just give a brief overview of, of what a, an employee option is. Sure. So companies that are listed on an exchange, whether it's TSX, TSX Venture, or any other exchange around the world, they will grant an option to their employees as part of a incentive mechanism, essentially. And that would differ from an exchange-traded option. They Employee stock options are non-transferable. So that entitlement is strictly for the benefit of the holder, the, the employee. So Richard, I have a question for you. Um, how are exchange-traded options different from uh, employee options for people who work at, at listed companies? And, and how are options created? Where do they come from? All right, so like uh, Dave said, employee stock options are created by the company for the employees, whereas the options listed by the exchange, by the Montreal Exchange, those are freely traded by investors who have a options traded account. And the difference is, I think, um, primarily is the uh, offering or the availability of the type of option. So here, let me explain. For example, when you have an employee stock option, uh, the value of this employee stock option would only go up if the price of the company goes up. But the ones, the options that are listed on the Montreal Exchange, we have, in fact, two types of options. We have, um, first of all, call options. And uh, these call options are utilized for investors by investors who are bullish on the company. And the second type of options that are available on the Montreal Exchange, and this is what we call put options. And put options, Options are typically used for um, risk management purposes or investors who have a bearish outlook in the company. So these are more or less the differences between the monetary exchange options versus the employee stock options. And the options on the exchange are created by the Clearing Corp, which is CDCC. CDCC is the Canadian Derivatives Clearing Corp, and they are the issuers of the options. And every quarter, the CDCC would create a list, what we call the option eligibility list, 
And this is the report that the Montreal Exchange uh, refers to to see whether or not there are good candidates to have options on them. Can you talk to me a little bit about what eligibility or the prerequisites are for an exchange traded option on a on a company? So when we look at the names of um, the securities universe on TSX, what we do is that we look at several metrics. So one of them would be the trading volume. So the trading volume on the underlying securities is very important for us. The second thing that we also look at is the public float. So the public float is the ability for the market makers to be able to have access to these shares to Delta hedge any positions when they are quoting prices on options. Okay, that's very interesting. So um, your listings committee decides whether a company is eligible for options. Um, and so it's not the, the issuing company. And there's basically it's, it's a, a number of quantitative metrics, I guess, is a good way to put it. But where do the options come from? That's a good question, Arnie. Once the stock options are listed on the Montreal Exchange, what uh, we do is that the investors, no matter if it's a retail investor or a market maker, what they can do is that they can buy or sell the options. And these options can be sold even if the investor does not have these options in their trading account. So these options are created these are agreements, contractual agreements between investors. So by trading these options, that's how these options contracts are created. Interesting. So I, um, I can write an option and that is that creates that contract between myself and, and somebody else. That's right, Arnie. Interesting. So do you think that there's or is there a link between volatility and options creation? Yes, there's a link. So let's say, for example, if the stock has been going towards on the upside for some time now, what the exchange does at the end of the day, they always create new strike prices. So if the stock is going on, you know, towards the upside, then the exchange will create new strike prices and those new strike prices because of volatility in the stock will provide different what we call option series so that investors can buy and sell from. Interesting. Okay. Let's just change gears a little bit for a second. And Dave, when why does a company offer stock option plans to employees and, and what do you see as a trend here? Uh, basically, options and other forms of share-based compensation are offered to employees as an incentive mechanism um, and to align the interests of employees, officers and directors, those that work for a listed company, to align their interests with the shareholders of the company. Because ultimately, Companies want their share prices to go up, and if that happens, if you hold an option or other form of share-based compensation, um, that that individual, the employee or the officer, or the director of the company, is going to be incented for the share price to go up, so they can realize greater compensation um, and 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 greater wealth at the end of the day. Um, certainly. 
the more recent trend for companies is is sort of getting away a little bit from stock options, although stock options are still widely used. Companies are using what are called full value awards more often. Um, so basically that gives you entitlement to a share without having to put up an exercise price like you would have to do in the context of an option. So, so it's more like a free share. However, there may be conditions before you get that share, for example, performance or time-based mechanisms. So, so that's sort of the, the more recent trend. Interesting. Um, so how are options created? Like how are those shares created that are offered through the incentive plan that a, that a company will put up? So basically, TSX requires that any type of security-based compensation arrangement be approved by the shareholders of the company. So there are a couple of different types of general types of plans that companies can use. Um, they can either authorize to issue from Treasury a fixed number of shares. So for example, if you had a plan that might have a million shares available under it. Um, the other popular way to, to set up a plan is to have it fixed as a certain percentage of your outstanding shares. So the most common percentage being like a 10% plan. So, so you could have 10% of your issued and outstanding shares available under your option plan or some other type of security-based compensation arrangement. Um, so basically, uh, in in the fixed percentage case, as the number of shares increases, the availability of awards under that arrangement would also increase over time. Okay, that makes sense. Um, how can the investing public find out how many shares are available within a share or a stock option plan um, for a listed company? And and why would they necessarily care, do you think? Well, ultimately, to answer the first, or sorry, the, the latter part of the question first, um, they would care because these types of compensation mechanisms are dilutive to shareholders. So, so basic, basically, if you issue more shares, then that reduces another shareholder's interest in the company at the end of the day. So less profits to be shared amongst all the shareholders when you increase your share capital. Um, the best way for companies to find out information about security-based compensation arrangements, such as stock option plans, is to go to the company's public disclosure record, which would be available on CDAR. Companies are required to disclose their, their stock option plans and other security-based compensation arrangements annually in their information circulars. And, and when, when they go to make changes to these plans or when they have to renew these plans, they have to seek shareholder approval. So the exchange has very prescriptive rules on what has to be disclosed when you're both on an annual basis and when you're seeking shareholder approval for these types of arrangements. Okay. So the best place to go is is the information circular. There will also be some information in the company's financial statements as well. And probably their website as well, for sure. For sure. Um, Richard, does how does a company 
option or tr options trading on a company, does it have any effect on the underlying equity at all or the, the, the security itself? Yeah, Arnie, that's a good question. Um, let's say if options are available on the stock, this gives the investor another vehicle for a mean to obtain exposure in the company. And that one thing uh, you know, investors need to be aware about is that even if someone is buying a call option on that company, that doesn't provide any um, dividend distributions to that call holder. So option investors or holders of an option are not shareholders of the company. So therefore they don't participate in those distributions. Um, Dave, do companies need to monitor or track the trading of options if if they do or, or don't have option plans? Is there any linkage between the two? Um, certainly there's not a real linkage between a company's option plan itself, whether they have one or not, and the trading of exchange traded options. Um, however, I think it would be important for them to understand um, how many exchange traded options are outstanding and how that may impact their share price um, around the expiry of those options. Because certainly if, if you have an option that's well in the money, then people are gonna exercise that option and that may have some downward pressure on the price around the expiry date of that option if there's a significant amount of, of options outstanding. And then perhaps Richard might wanna add to that. Sure. So going back to uh, what you just alluded to, so let's say on expiry, if uh, there's uh, lots of uh, call options out there being exercised, that means that the investor who sold these call options will have the obligation to deliver the shares. And if the shares are not inside the investor's account, guess what's going to happen is that the investor will have to go to the open market and start purchasing the shares to deliver the stock at the strike price. So there is uh, some impact on the underlying shares due to the options market activities. Okay. So where do issuers or should issuers and public companies that have, that are option eligible, should they be tracking the options trading in their stocks? I think they should because an option is just another vehicle to uh, to utilize based on what the investor's outlook is on the company. Now, in the options market, you have call options and put options. When investors purchase call options, is because they are bullish on the stock. And when investors buy put options, this is because they are bearish on the stock. So ultimately, um, I think for... Um, for investors, what they want to ultimately do is they have two choices. They can either purchase the stock itself or they can use uh, options, calls or puts. But at the end of the day, uh, looking at the open interest in, in the options market is also a, a good practice to have. So that leads me to my next question is what does it mean specifically when there is an increase in the open interest on call options on the, on, on the stock of the company that I'm managing? So open interest first, uh, let me just uh, take a moment to explain what that means. Open interest is simply a number that tells you the number of option contracts that are still open out there, that are not settled. So the higher the open interest, the uh, 
larger the number of option contracts that are between investors' hands. So let's say if you have a, a spike in open interest for call options, this basically means that there were lots of investors who are bullish on the stock itself. Because remember, when you buy call options, you're bullish on the stock. So that could be a sign that the investors are bullish on the company. But at the same time, we should take this open interest number with a grain of salt because you have to remember that when you have a buyer of an option, that means there is also a seller of the option. So buyers and sellers, they get together, they trade that call option. So when sellers sell call options, it's because they believe that the company could be uh, trading you know, sideways or it could be increasing slightly. So that's why they are selling these call options. So that open interest number is a good indication to see where the option activity is. But I wouldn't say that it is a sign that will tell investors that this is a sign of bullishness or bearishness. So a little bit of a, of a um, psychology experiment going on, perhaps. One more question, or maybe two. Um, let's talk about a short squeeze. What results from that? So a, a short squeeze is basically a share price going up. When, uh, when this happens, it impacts the uh, short sellers. Because when uh, short sellers when they put on a uh, short position is because they are bearish on the stock. When the share price goes up, then that's when the uh, short squeeze happens because their brokers are going to be calling these clients or these accounts to buy back the shares. And that's when the uh, short squeeze happens. Um, the concept of a short squeeze is interesting. Is that connected in any way to the options market or does it spill over? That could, because when you're short a stock, your risk is when the share price goes up. So for short sellers, one of the ways to mitigate that type of risk is to purchase a call option, because the call option is going to give the short seller the right to buy the stock at the strike price. So by having that call option, it essentially acts as a hedge for short sellers. Very interesting. I didn't know that. The main purpose of using options trading is to do what? One of the use cases that, let's say, for example, if you uh, someone is in senior management and this employee is holding a significant amount of shares in the, the company that he or she is working for, this employee might want to hedge against any price risk by using put options. The reason is because you know, put options, they act as insurance policies for the shares that the employee is holding. So this strategy can help the employee lock in any unrealized gains and also help preserve any uh, wealth for any vested shares that the employee may have. Um, another uh, use case that investors could be using for options is uh, a cover call strategy. This is a very popular strategy that investors, where they combine the stock ownership to a option strategy whereby the uh, investor is selling call options on the shares that the investor is holding. So this is a strategy that helps investor, you know, generate additional income above any uh, dividend payouts, uh, if any, the company uh, does uh, distribute.
Understood. Dave, question for you. Um, for issuers that want to get more information or, or have some advice around their uh, employee options programs, um, what's the best route to, to get some more information from us? Certainly, any issuer's listings manager would be, would be available to answer any questions that they have on option plans or other types of security-based compensation arrangements. We do have a security-based compensation guide that's available on, on tsx.com, so they can certainly look at that, and that will give you sort of examples of what's generally acceptable for, for share compensation arrangements. There's also um, outfits like Institutional Shareholder Services and Glass-Lewis that have positions on security-based compensation arrangements and the levels that are appropriate. And because ultimately, if you have a company that that's followed significantly by institutional shareholders, then ISS and Glass-Lewis um, they will recommend as to how those institutional shareholders should vote um, when companies are seeking shareholder approval for their arrangements. So certainly it's a good idea to have a good handle on, on what ISS and Glass-Lewis are saying about, about security-based compensation arrangements and, and the appropriate levels. Um, also, their legal counsel will be good resources as to helping them develop plans. Um, there are other share compensation uh, consultants available out there as well that they can talk to. So certainly there's a whole whole wide variety of resources that are available to them. But certainly any time that, that companies are adopting a share option plan or, or share compensation arrangement, uh, they do need to talk to the exchange. So best to to talk to us early in the process as to what they might be thinking. Understood. Sounds like some great advice, Dave. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. Richard, any sources or where you would point investors to go who want to explore the concept of, of trading options uh, more closely or educational resources? Sure, we do have uh, lots of educational content on our website, which is on the Montreal Exchange website. The link is m-x.ca. We also have an option blog, which is called optionmatters.ca, where you can learn and read about all the different option strategies. And we also do lots of uh, collaboration with uh, multiple online brokers where we provide uh, free webinars on options trading to clients and non-clients. Great. That sounds uh, like a good resource as well. Um, I would like to thank both of you gentlemen for joining me today. And, uh, and I hope that that has uh, provided some clarity for our listeners around the difference between trading options and option-based compensation for listed companies. I'm Arnie Belstein, and I hope you have a great day.